You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from, including Spotify, I got to mention, and all the smart speakers, if you say just play podcast Locked On Pelicans. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts as we recap some not great things going on for this New Orleans team falling to the New York Knicks on Friday game that was being streamed online through the Pelicans app, losing 106-100. The Pelicans now 0-3 in preseason. We're going to talk about this game and then in the second segment, take a look at the Pelicans overall in preseason so far and should we be worried by this start and certainly it hasn't really been good but there's good and bad so maybe it's a mixed bag of things we'll touch on that then in the final segment give you an update on Jimmy Butler what's going on there which looks to be an absolute mess as well as some things from the Pelicans open practice that they had this weekend so a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So Friday's game against the Knicks was kind of set to be a dress rehearsal potentially for this Pelicans team. They were getting Miritich back from injury and he started. They were getting Darius Miller back from injury. He played in the game. But after Julius Randle had that nasty fall um, trying to go up for a dunk and coming back down, I think in the Atlanta game it was, he skipped this one, which led to the Pelicans not playing their starters in what was a real regular rotation. You got maybe a decent idea of how they plan to use use players who they plan to start, but it's kind of tough to try and read the tea leaves from this game. But certainly, that doesn't mean we're not going to try to do it in this podcast here today. So it was a 106-100 loss for the Pelicans, dropping to 0-3 in preseason, which we'll talk about the concerns there, but let's look at this game. Nikola Mirotic did his usual Nikola Mirotic thing. He played 37 minutes, kind of making up for the fact that he hasn't played in preseason so far. Finished with 19 points on the night, took 20 field goal attempts to get there, though. Not ideal. He was 2 of 11 for 3, but if you go 2 of 11 for deep, just 18.2%, usually don't expect to see much of a contribution from that guy. So 19 points, given that... Not too bad. He shows he can score in other ways. He's effective on the glass. 12 rebounds, 11 defensive. That's kind of what you want to see out of him. He's going to be a good player. It's kind of as simple as that. It's nice to see him kind of getting back onto the court. We'll see if that kind of continues with that high volume of shooting. I think the more that had to do, he was playing more than Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, and it really wasn't a concern right there. The other new guy back to the lineup, Darius Miller, 24 minutes. He was on fire from deep, showing what he was showing early on at last season when he was shooting like 45% from three and was leading the league basically in it. Five of seven from deep, 71.4%, 15 points on the night. Just took three other field goal attempts and did his usual thing. You're not expecting much from him, and he's not a great defender. He's not terrible. Um, but if he can space the court and hit some threes and give you some offense when he's out there, you're going to take that and you're going to be 
pretty happy. The Pelicans' big players here, the most important ones, of course. Drew Holiday played 20 and a half minutes in this one, 5 of 9 from the field, 12 points. Had four turnovers. This team was playing fast and very loose, and I mean loose in their handles, which led to some of that. Anthony Davis got almost 30 minutes, 28 and a half minutes, really. 5 of 17 on the night, so not a great shooting night from him. That's been a theme for the Pelicans this whole preseason. 0 for 4 from deep. Holiday was 2 of 4, by the way. 15 points. He had a minus 21 in plus minus on the night. But he did have 13 rebounds, 4 offensive rebounds, which is nice to see, along with 4 steals and 4 turnovers. So, eh. You could tell in this game, though, Anthony Davis was not trying whatsoever. He really is moving at half speed, if that. I think he realizes he's going to be playing a lot of minutes this year, and he's just trying to kind of go through the motions, get a couple kinks out, and just, I don't know, not get hurt, which, you know, if you're the Pelicans here, that's a great thing to try and see. Alfred Payton didn't look too great tonight. Four of eight shooting, 50%, at least that's good for him. Uh, but one of four from the line had... Seven assists, or seven assists, five rebounds, and nine total points. He's, uh, you know, gives you about what Rondo gave you. Maybe not as good, to be honest, there, but maybe the defense is better. And if he can give you 80% of what Rondo did last year and you kind of be happy, he gets to the rim. You can see that. He can score and he can get inside. He's not great at finishing. And I think right now he's kind of trying to figure out whether he should score in those moments or try and score in those moments or look to pass out. And I think that kind of indecisiveness, which we saw from Drew Holiday in years past and why moving him off ball and making him more of a scorer was a real good move for him. And you're kind of seeing this going through Alfred Payton right now of, I'm um, point guarding to pass. I got really good teammates. And he's trying to do so and maybe passing up better shots that he should be taking. And I think that kind of indecisiveness, not going as hard as you could to the rim because you know you might need to pass out, is creating some issues in preseason for him. Each one more, 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep, 13 points in 24 minutes. About what you expect from him, four rebounds too. That was kind of nice. So, you know, he's, uh, he's each one more. It's just kind of what he does. Let's talk about some of the younger guys, though, and guys who did not play particularly well, and there's a handful of them. And this isn't exactly what we want to hear. Frank Jackson really struggled in this game. One of seven from the field for a total of three points and was 0 for 3 from deep. His ankle might still be bugging him a little bit. He didn't show the usual explosive athleticism from him that you expect, though he did show that on the, at the open practice they had, so I'm not sure. Maybe it's just he's not quite ready yet. It could be. Um, defensively, he was rough. Trey Burke was cooking him basically on the night, which is not really what you want. And Trey Burke is, eh, you know what I mean here. So that's not great to see from him. But again, this is his red shirt freshman year. He's going to go through a lot of bad stretches. But we'll talk about when we talk about the open practice. People really are rooting for him to do well. Check Diallo got a significant amount of minutes, almost 28 in this game. Was one of three from the field, four total points. Did grab 10 boards, but he doesn't look good it's kind of as simple as that four personal fouls for him um and he doesn't look like he's taking the next step and I've been kind of saying this throughout preseason he didn't even impress me that much in summer league I think there's a concern there the fact that he's not playing well certainly is probably going to mean um, a better chance for Jaleel Okafor to make this roster despite being out with injury right now but it's concerning that he doesn't look that good he just looks lost out there at times and yeah he's he's springy he can jump He's athletic. It's 
not getting him all that far in terms of this. So a concern there, something to keep an eye on, but I'd be nervous having him in the rotation during the regular season. Solomon Hill did play as well, 18 minutes, 8 points. He was below average on defense in this. I mean, I think we all know he reaches a lot, but if they're having to start him out there, you've got to be really concerned, and I think you'd rather roll with each one more. And they did run that starting lineup of Davis, Miritich, Moore, Holiday, Payton, which I think is going to be their starting lineup as we head into the regular season. So before we talk about the rotation and the struggles that we saw, we've seen from the Pelicans in preseason, I do want to let you guys know we've got your NBA previews coming this week at the Locked On NBA podcast. Six teams a day, five days a week, which means I'm not going to be hosting on Wednesday, but this is a good reason to still listen in. All 30 teams will be previewed for you by the local experts of Locked On NBA. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or tell your smart speaker to play Locked On NBA. Just get caught up and know what you need to know heading into the regular season. And as we head into the regular season, you want to be at the game. I want you to be at the game. We all love going to live events, whether it's seeing your favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on the Saints or the Pelicans. The Saints, particularly when Drew Brees sets an all-time mark on a Monday night game. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets to all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. You get to save even more money than you're already doing with the great price tickets on there. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. So continuing on from that Knicks game, Alvin Gentry did say we were going to see maybe more of an actual rotation for this team. And I think you kind of saw it a little bit uh, as to what this team might be trying to do, but not quite exactly considering that Randall was out. And that kind of really threw a kink into everything, considering some guys just did not play well. You know, you saw the starting lineup of Anthony Davis, Nikola Mirotic, Etwan Moore, Drew Holiday, Alfred Payton. That's likely going to be the starting lineup on opening night. I think you can spot start Julius Randle depending on teams and matchups that you think it might give you an advantage on to let you race out to a better beginning and not get behind in some of those games. But I think that's going to be in very minor quantities of it. So I think that's kind of a big thing. You know, so those guys played significant minutes in the first half. Payton played 14, Drew Holiday played 14 that's going to be below what they should be playing Anthony Davis played 18 that's probably still a little bit lower for him than what he might be playing each one more played 15 seems about right Miritich 17 that also seems about right and then you look at some of the bigger numbers for guys playing in this lineup in the first half and you see Czech Diallo getting 10 minutes in there likely playing the role of Julius Randle out there. You're subbing him in for Randle since Randle's out injured right now, and maybe it could give this the coaching staff a little bit more of an idea of what that front uh, court might look like. But of course, you know, Diallo did not play well. Four personal fouls in the first half 
on the night. So that's not ideal. He did kind of clamp that down as he played in the second half, but you could see that really affected his defense out there. Solomon Hill got nine minutes. Darius Miller got 10. Ian Clark got five. I think he'll get more. Frank Jackson got uh, five or so as well. And maybe Frank Jackson's minutes are lower and they go to Ian Clark instead. I think that's kind of what you're looking at. That seems about right. Maybe, you know, some minutes are going to be higher. Maybe Frank Jackson's don't go to Ian Clark and instead just gets kind of spread around to others. There's ways to kind of make that work. I think that's what you're going to be looking at for this team in preseason here, uh, or in the regular season, I should say, as they try and figure it out. We'll know a little bit more with the upcoming games this week. They do play at Miami on Wednesday, and then their one home preseason game against the Toronto Raptors on the second night of a back-to-back. I don't think you'll see it in that game, but you might see it in the Miami game, and so maybe we can discern a little bit more then. So I want to go into these topics deeper later in the week, but we're going to look at them right now, or at least we're going to kind of talk about some of this. The Pelicans are 0-3 in preseason, and that's not great. So what's going on there? What are the concerns? What are we kind of seeing from preseason? Which the first thing is we've got to say it's preseason. There's not a ton to take away. Guys aren't playing that hard. Drew Holiday's going hard, but he's not at 100% of what he's going to give you in the regular season. AD's playing at like 50% at best, maybe less than that. You've had a ton of injuries. Mirtich hasn't played in two games. Miller hasn't played in two games. Randall skipped this one and left early in another one. You don't have Okafor, who you're expecting to get minutes over Diallo, especially after Diallo's performance on Friday. So this is a bit of a mess for the Pelicans in preseason. And you kind of look at this and just kind of, you know, do the shrug emoji that I always tell you guys. Because I don't know what the hell to take away from this sort of thing. Uh, But there are some numbers that jump out at you. So the first is pace. We've made a a lot. Oh, we've made. We've had a lot of discussion on the podcast here about it. They've got the fastest pace in preseason by far here. It's 118.62. They averaged 102 last season. So 16 more possessions per game. That is a lot. To, to put it simply, that is a lot. And it seems to be causing some issues. This team's maybe going a little bit too fast. Maybe they're struggling late in games because they're a little bit more tired from having more possessions to from exerting themselves more. It's worth looking into that. Tied into that, though, is their offensive rating, I think. And I've talked about this on the podcast. The Pelicans don't have the worst offensive rating in preseason, though they are coming in at just... that's points per 100 possessions, so it adjusts for pace, so you kind of put everyone on a level playing field here. They're not the worst in the league in preseason, but they're the worst NBA team in preseason. The Beijing Ducks, the Perth Wildcats, the Flamingo Flamingo, the Melbourne United, New Zealand Breakers, Adelaide 36ers, and Sydney Kings all have a worse offensive rating than the Pelicans do. We're out of 37 teams because you've got these kind of fun competitions going on. But the Pelicans are by three points worse, the worst team in preseason when it comes to offense. That's a bit of a concern. A lot of turnovers, including 23 against the New York Knicks, is definitely going to be a problem. They're running, but they're not running in an effective manner. They're not getting the fast break points that you would expect this team to get. That's been a very big issue. They're averaging just 12.7 fast break points per game. They're averaging close to 20 last season. That's a significant drop. This team, when they play quickly early on in the shot clock, are not a great shooting team. You just happen to have better numbers during those times. And by taking so many of them and playing in transition so much, it elevates their offensive rating in terms of points per play in that. it's not That's not adjusted for pace. So that's a big deal. They were average at all of those last year. Now they're trying to run even more, and they're still average and a bit below average at it. 
that can be an issue. There's probably a sweet spot. There's probably a balance this team needs to strike in terms of running, given that they're not the best shooting. And maybe then you need to slow it down and try and work for some higher quality looks or get ball to, or get the ball to Davis inside. If they're not doing that, that's definitely going to be an issue. You're seeing that a little bit in preseason. Again, injuries, weird rotations, all of that really play into this. And so I don't know if this is a huge concern going into things, but definitely not what you want to see. The defense is also a little bit concerning, and this is uh, one of those things that compounds on itself. The Pelicans are actually giving up over 65 points in the paint um, so far in preseason. It was a little bit better against the Knicks where they only gave up 52, but they gave up back-to-back games with 70 against the Bulls and the Hawks. Not what you want to do. This is perimeter defense, letting people get into the lane and scoring inside. It's making it hard for Anthony Davis to defend down there. We saw this, you know, uh, um, Omer Ashik is a good rim protector, but when he's getting blitzed time after time, after time, after time, after time, you know, going on infinity there almost, he's not going to be a good rim protector. And that was the issue there. And this is starting to happen that the team really needs to get some wing presence, some wing stoppers. Each one more is doing what he can. And he said he's bulked up this offseason to play that three more. But Solomon Hill really hurts you out there at times. Darius Miller is going to likely hurt you as well. Trying to keep people from getting into the paint, from forcing the Pelicans to rotate and do all of that is definitely a bit of a problem. So not what you want to see. We've got to see if that clamps down a little bit. The Pelicans playing with this high pace is also factoring into that too. Defensive rating is pace adjusted, but when you're giving opponents higher quality looks, they're going to shoot better. And yeah, it'll adjust for pace, but you're giving these guys more looks because you're letting these other teams run too. When they've got more possessions, they get more possessions. So that's a bit of a problem as well. And maybe the Pelicans do need to slow it down a little bit and see if that kind of makes things a little bit easier for them. So I've mentioned already that you guys definitely need to listen to Locked on NBA next week for all of the previews and also every week and also every Wednesday in particular since I host it. But I do want to mention there is a huge, huge Monday night game going on here in New Orleans if you are a Saints fan. Even if you're not a Saints fan, this is a massive day as Drew Brees only needs 201 yards to tie a break. I forget what it is. The all-time yardage mark. I'm a Colts fan. I'm a Peyton Manning fan first and foremost. And even I'm excited to see that record get broken for Drew Breeze. So if you want to know more about him, about the Saints, what's going on with this team, you've got to tune in to Locked on Saints. Daily podcast covering everything you need to know about your favorite team or second favorite team if you're a Pelicans fan, first and foremost, the New Orleans Saints. Listen to today's podcast. Get ready for tonight's game. It's going to be so awesome. And then listen to tomorrow and know how he broke it, the intricacies of the routes and all of that. You're going to be a smarter football fan for it. So make sure you always tune in to Locked on Saints. So before we jump into two things that have happened around the league that I think are worth noting in the final segment here, I do want to let you know if your company is looking for a new way to reach customers, your company could be mentioned right now on the podcast. And trust me, it works. You hear me do the live reads. You hear the ads in there. All of that has been paying dividends, and I can tell you a lot of the sponsors of the podcast have re-upped for this coming season. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcast. Our demographic is 98% males, no surprise there, and more education and more earning than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. We can slather your name all over it. Email me. It's lockedonpels, lockedonpels at gmail.com. 
So two things around the NBA that I think you guys need to be aware of. The first is an update on the Jimmy Butler saga. And both of these actually do impact Western Conference potential playoff teams. The Wolves, I think, were were kind of still writing off because they shouldn't have Jimmy Butler. Shouldn't. They likely won't have Jimmy Butler. They shouldn't have Jimmy Butler, but they're probably still going to maybe keep him. So I actually have no idea what's going to happen here. The reports coming from Woj is that they were close to a deal with the Miami Heat, sending him there, sending him east, which is so damn awesome. And then it fell apart because the Timberwolves at the last minute when owners were involved and things were starting to get finalized, tried to ask for more. And basically that was the only offer the Heat really had on the table for Jimmy Butler because teams are thinking they're asking for too much. Jimmy Butler is going to be a free agent after this coming year and you have to be kind of wary about bringing him in giving up assets for that to have him then bolt somewhere else and there's a lot of teams with cap space that he could go to including some preferred destinations of his so it's a concern but we saw it work with um, Paul George in Oklahoma City last year where you bring that guy in he likes it and he stays so I think maybe that helps them but they asked for too much and the deal fell apart and now it's a bit of a mess. And it's being leaked. And this is being leaked by Woj, who often usually works with an owner or a GM or something like that. I would not be shocked if he's close with Pat Riley and this is where some of this is coming. But what he says is really interesting to me. And that's teams aren't really negotiating with the Timberwolves because they feel that they're not actually operating in good faith. Jimmy Butler's asked for a trade, but they don't want to trade him. We've heard Tibbs try and talk to him and convince him to come back to the team and play with them in preseason play with them in the regular season while Jimmy Butler sits out well you know a good way to try and force their hand is to make it seem publicly that they don't actually want to trade him which then pisses him off and makes him try and force a trade even more but it does seem like their owner wants to get a deal done and just kind of move on from this but Tibbs of course doesn't want to trade him nor should he he's the coach he's also the president and basically if Jimmy Butler goes you should probably fire him it's kind of as simple as that but maybe not. Who knows? Um, maybe they don't want to spend that kind of money. That you know, they are a small market ish. So I think that's kind of a big thing here. But basically, it's we're we're about ten days from the regular season now. Are they going to be stuck with Jimmy Butler? Are they going to have him or not? And how does that impact them? Even if he's there, is he going to actually go all out? Is he really going to try on defense knowing he might get hurt? Probably not. He's got a wrist injury that I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of plays up to start the year and doesn't play because of that. But man, it is a bit of a mess there in Minnesota, which is only a good thing for this Pelicans team because you want these Western Conference rivals to kind of fall out and make things a little bit easier for the Pelicans to get into the playoffs. So the other news concerning a Western Conference rival playoff team, whatever you want to call it, is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And their guard, Andre Roberson, is going to be out an additional two months at least, they think, after undergoing a procedure Thursday following a setback during his rehab from left knee surgery. He missed the end of last season, and it was a ruptured patella tendon in January. There we go. And he was on track to return sometime in November, but, you know, things weren't going well. Um, And, okay, I'm reading it now. An additional procedure because a searcher was causing irritation that he couldn't play through, and now this is delaying him even more. That's really bad for him. He is very key to their defense. And without him now, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to them. Their defense, I think, was something like 10 points better with him on the court than without. He can guard one through four positions. That's going to be kind of rough to lose. You know, the Thunder barely made the playoffs last season, and they were roughed up in the first round by Utah, partially because he wasn't there to slow guys down. Okay, it's 
14 points better per 100 possessions when he's on the court. That's unbelievable and he's basically one of the premier perimeter defenders in the league so losing him for the year or for a couple months is really going to hurt particularly because they might not have Westbrook for opening night I'm not sure he's a little bit banged up too so that causes even more concern and maybe they get off to a rough start and that's a great thing for the Pelicans because again you want all of these things to kind of break in the Pelicans' favor and have them not have the injury trouble for once. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. But two big things going on around the league that can really affect uh, Western Conference playoff hopefuls. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. The rest of the week, we'll preview some of the games, of course, as the Pelicans do get a home play uh, preseason game as well as an away one. But we'll talk about more what we're seeing from the pace from the defense, from the offense, all of that will dive a little bit deeper as we start to get ready 10 days, less than that now, nine days, before the regular season starts. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Again, if you're a new listener, thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to be doing this all year long. If you've been here for a while or even just a short period of time, I appreciate you all listening. Tell your friends. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 